I'm so glad to be here. It's always an honor to come and to open up God's Word to you, and we're going to remodel love this morning. And you might say, well, what does that old guy know anything about that? Well, next month, my wife and I will be celebrating our 53rd wedding anniversary, which is, which is amazing. Um, back when I was preaching, sometimes my elders would send my wife a sympathy card every once in a while. Um, but uh, we, we have been going at it for 52 years and 53 soon. And um, so God has been very good to us. Um, if I can give you just one thing um, before I begin, and that is this. Um, when you're looking for a wife, seek the Lord. I can still remember the day that uh, I got a call into ministry. And I knew that, that uh, I had to have the right kind of person to come alongside me in ministry. And so I had a couple of prayer partners, and we started praying. And um, I had dated a lot. You know how I did. I had to beat them off with a stick, but you know. Um, but as I dated, I, we always were seeking the Lord. God, guide me and open up my eyes to see who you want for my wife, for the future, for my future, and for her future as well. And oh, I could tell you a long story about it, but God did it. It was an amazing thing. And so if I can encourage anybody uh, that's young, that's dating, that's thinking about marriage, ask God to guide you because he will. And I can still remember the day I looked out in an audience where I was preaching, and I saw seven couples that had been married for over 50 years. And that's almost unheard of in, in congregations, but it's very possible. So we're on part two, staying in love. So we're going to get started this morning. And let's review a, bit, a little bit. Uh, repeat after me, would you? Falling in love requires a pulse. Saying in love requires a plan. So let's say it together. Falling in love requires a pulse. Staying in love requires a plan. Wow, that is so true. Let's pray. Father, guide our minds and our hearts. Help us, Lord. Speak to us. May we hear from heaven. We pray in the name of Jesus. Really, falling in love is, is a lot about attraction. But if you're going to stay in love, you've got to have an action plan. You, you really do. You have to work at it. It's not something that just happens. And last week, we asked the question, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? Is that possible? Well, when you hear that question, you, you, you naturally think, well, absolutely. It, it should be. That's, that's the way it is, isn't it? Um, can I really find the right person? That's the key, we think. Okay, and there, there's something in us that that says, yes, it's possible. It, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, but we have to look at this for just a moment. How come there's so much trouble? How come it's so difficult in so many ways? When there is that desire in our hearts. And I think that that desire is given to you by God. 
I really do. That, that he wants you uh, to be in love and to stay in love. And there's a couple of good reasons why. We're going to look at that this morning. Um, you know, we all want close friends, for sure. But we also want that special person, that individual that we are going to experience life with, you know, that, that knows me inside and out, that experiences the, the ultimate intimacy and physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We, we want that. We want to have life together. There's just that desire in there. And that desire doesn't go away. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how bad our relationships have been in the past, if you've been in broken relationships, whatever, whatever that situation is. The question is, is it possible? We all think it is. We, we, we want that special person in our life. But it seems to be so confusing, so many things around. Now, I think that marriage is, is certainly one of the most challenging uh, relationships you will ever have in all of your life. It's intense at times. It's intimate. There's vulnerability there. Uh, and, 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 but do you know, that's part of God's plan. That is part of God's plan. You never maybe thought about that, but I want you to see why it's God's plan. Because God wants you to depend on him in your relationship. You know, every marriage has its challenges. And in this series, we might in inspire you to, you know, to get some additional help, and it's out there. We realize that some of you were once married, and you're no longer married, and we understand, and our heart goes out to you, and you might be worried, well, this conversation doesn't have anything to do with me. Yes, it does. And we're going to show you in reason why. We realize that some of us are single. Some of you are single, and, and maybe you're thinking, I'll never get married, you know? Um, Let's wait and see what God has in plan for you. No matter what your circumstance, I want us to see here that the sermon that we're going to be bringing this morning invites you to have your faith challenged in your relationships, all of them. And God will give you some help in there. And Jesus has given us some principles that apply to every area of our life, not only in marriage, but also in relationships with with other people in our lives, people at work, people at school, uh, our neighbors, uh, all around. Uh, God gives us great possibilities, and he uses us. And I want you to realize this morning that Jesus is here to help us. He's here to help us in all of these areas. And last week, we learned how uh, Jesus taught that if you stay in love forever, falling in love is easy, but staying in love is difficult. And if you want to stay in love, you have to make love a what? I'm glad you said that, because I know some of you think a lot. You know, make love a lot. No, no, no. Uh, no, no. Uh, I'm not against that. I, I want you to know. Uh, but, but make love a verb. All right? Now, we're going to look at that. Uh, you, you have to make love a verb. And, 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 and that noun idea... You know, I fell into this, and, and so we need to make it a verb. Now, what do we mean by that? It's because something that you do, it's an action, you know? It's an action. And last week, we learned that love is a relationship, and it needs some work and some action and things that are going to be happening there in, in our life. Very, very important. Uh, but there's a dilemma. Our society, 
is feeding you a line that is hard to believe. And some of the stuff that's on our television sets that that give you the, the, the total wrong ideas. Uh, the Bachelorette. I mean, come on. You know, well, what does it boil down to? What do I get out of it? You know, well, what are you going to do for me? You know, and, and, and if that's the way it is, it's always going to be a disaster. It is, incredibly. It's a disaster, and the success rate is, is so bad, it's unbelievable. Now, I want to shift for just a minute and tell you one other thing on television that you should not watch. It's okay for a pastor to do that once in a while. Can you believe that there's, there's, a, there's a program on titled Evil? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You know? and, and they go into detail about all kinds of demonic activities, all kinds of, of junk. Please, stay away from that like the plague. Okay? Uh, but stay away from The Bachelor, too. Because uh, they're not going to teach you anything. You know, uh, let, 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 let's see what Jesus teaches, all right? He's the eternal one. He said, love one another. Now, what is that? That's verb one another. There's action that's there. Doing things because I love you, all right? In other words, making love a verb is not really a new concept, uh, but the tendency is to take our cue from, from other people, you know, even from our parents or our grandparents or people that we know, you know, uh, and, and we think that maybe, maybe we should follow or maybe we shouldn't follow, and, and we have all of these things around us, and I'm going to take my cue from what I see around me. Are you kidding? You know? No. No, no, no. Jesus said no. We need to see that. I, I'd like you to love, but I want you to learn to love the way I love you. Right? What a, what a concept. I, I want you as we are going to see today, I want you to take your love cue not from culture, not, not from, from even your parents or grandparents, even though they may have had a great marriage and are still married. Uh, don't, don't use the models. Use Jesus. He's going to help you. Take the cue from him. You know, uh, we, we may need to remodel our love by looking to Jesus instead of all these other models that are out there, that are crying, that are hollering at us. This is the way it's done. The Apostle Paul comes along after listening to Jesus. And uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. And he looked back at the story of Christ and to all the people that he knew. And, and he gathered as much information as he can. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes a letter to the Philippines. Philippian church. Very important. This was a Greek city, Philippi. It was named after Alexander the Great's father. And he writes this letter and he talks about Jesus' love for us. This is the model. Okay? How that love should interface into our relationships. What, what's going on there with each other. We're going to look back at these verses and, and it's almost like a camera. We're going to get our lens you know, focused in there on this romantic love, but the main principles that we're going to talk about are really can be applied to every relationship, not only the marriage, but we're going to deal with marriage this morning. 
let's spend a, a moment to focus our lens, love lens, uh, on what Jesus has to say uh, through the Apostle Paul to the Philippians. So get your Bibles out or your Bible app or whatever you have, and let's look at Philippians chapter 2. And here we go. Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Wow. Do nothing out of. That means don't be motivated by selfish ambition. Don't let that be your motivation. Okay? Now, let me tell you, we could stop right here. That could be, we could say amen and you could all go home. That's after the offering, of course. But, but I want you to think about it for a moment. If we, if we followed just that, it would transform your life and your marriage. Don't be motivated by selfish ambition. Just think about that. We'd be way down the road if we did that. Okay? He says, and again, we, we, could, we could look at these verses within the context of any relationship. Any friendship, any, any family relationship. And we're going to look at them just though today in the context of the stay in love relationship between a man and a woman. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now that is, try to remove from your relationship with that person that you're trying to stay in love with. Try to remove any element of competition. Don't compete with him or with her. Don't try to prove that you're smarter than she is. I can tell you guys are not. Um, and don't try to attempt to prove that she's dumber than you. No. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't underscore the fact that, that he didn't quite get that story right. Have you ever been around that? You know, she didn't tell it exactly the way it really happened. You've heard couples try to tell stories and... And one of them would say, well, honey, no, 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 it wasn't three, it was really four. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't red, it was blue. You know? And you're standing there listening to this couple, and, and you're ready to close up shop and go home, and, and you're listening to this story, and, 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 and you're, saying, you're saying to yourself, I don't really care. You know? Just finish the story. But then you end up with two stories. You didn't want the first one, you know? <laughs> so what's Paul's advice? It's a, it's a, as you look at your relationship, is this going to go in the right direction? Do your best to remove that whole competition idea. Get, get rid of that, you know? It's what's best for your relationship. If you want to compete, you know, go out on the football field, you know? Go, go out running or... or you know, if you're in school, compete with somebody on, in the classroom, you know, or any of these things like that. But don't, don't compete with your wife or your husband. It, it, it's just not going to work, and you're going to have problems. Now, um, if you didn't understand what Paul was saying, I want you to notice something. He clarifies it even more. Read the rest. Rather, in humility, literally, in humility of mind, Value others above yourself. Wow. Value others. We're talking about that special other, that one other 
person in your life. Value others above yourself. Value him, value her above yourself. Think about that for just a few moments. Right? Act as, as if that person is more important than you are. Every single day, every single decision, live as if, respond as if, react as if, initiate as if that person is actually more important than you are. Now, that's the centerpiece of every good relationship. It really is. And for many of us, we hear this, and then we start coming up with all kinds of excuses, don't we? So let's just talk, and maybe even argue a little bit, okay? Excuses for a minute. Paul is saying, I want you to think about the most important person that you've ever been around. Think about that for just a moment. I want you to think about the context in which that happened. Let me give you an example. You go to a wedding, okay? You're invited to this wedding. And you're there, and you're not the most important person in the room. The bride is, and the groom. And so in the reception, they all line up, and they all talk with the bride and the groom. They're not talking with you because you're not the most important person in the room. It's a great illustration, you know, because in that context, we hate to break it to us, but we're not the most important person in the room. You know, we've all had this this in in, in different ways. Uh, you, you you mention a hero. Uh, I can remember in Vietnam uh, when I was there. I was going into the chapel on a Sunday morning, and uh, just as I was going in the door, here comes Roy Rogers and Dale Evans out of Quantico. I was absolutely dumbfounded. Uh, he's big. He, he was tall. Now, if you don't know who that is, that's uh, Trigger was his horse, okay? Um, so, but here I am, standing there in front of these two very famous people in the middle of a war zone, and, and, and I'm going to church, and they're coming out. Wonderful Christians, by the way. They're with the Lord now. But I didn't know what to say. I was, I was absolutely dumbfounded to see them. But gracious people. See, but see, at that moment, I wasn't the most important person there. They were. Okay? They were. We've all had that happen in our lives. You ever been invited to your boss's house? No, I when I pastored in Ithaca, uh, can you believe that the son of the president of the Christian Mission Alliance was working on his doctorate at Cornell, and he invites me to go to his father and mother's house, who was the president of the alliance, for dinner? I was nervous like you couldn't believe. I didn't even know what to say. You know, I'm sitting there uh, uh, down at Nyack, and uh, so here I am, and I, and I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm, I'm thinking. I'm not thinking, but I should have been thinking. I'm not the most important person here by any shape of imagination. And, and that's the way it is in life. Okay, we need to see that. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're not valuable to God. That doesn't mean that you're not special because you are. Uh, that's simply because in the context of that moment, you're not the most important person in that situation that you are in. 
Now, Paul is coaching us to stay in love relationship. You might say it this way. As you move into this very, very special relationship, as you live out your married life, he says, here is what I want you to do. I want you to make every single decision as if that other person is actually literally more important than you are. Now, wait a minute. We all think in the back of our mind, that's not fair. Wait a minute. That's not fair. That's, but that's not important. Paul is not saying they are. He's saying love is a verb. It's an action. We do things. I want to do something. I want you to treat them as if they are more valuable than you are. That's what he's saying. And I want them to treat you like you're more valuable than they are. Okay? Now, how would this work? Well, uh, if you're struggling with this, just think about your most valuable possession. And for some of you guys, it's your car. Right? You shine that thing up. You know, we bought a new car. Now, you know what people do with new cars? They park it in the far end of the parking lot. They, they don't want anybody to even be near you, you know? No scratches, no nothing, you know? Um, but you, you take care of that car. You shine it up and you have it in the garage. Now, I don't want you to put her in the garage. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but you know, you, you, you've got this thing and you take care of it and you treat it and you love it and you, you know, all that. So, so it's in that kind of a context of, you know, um, value that. Value that. I, I want you to at least take as good care of that individual as you do your car, for heaven's sakes. All right? And once again, if you're human, you may find yourself thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't deserve it. Has that ever run across your mind? Or he doesn't deserve it. You don't know who I'm married to. Well, actually, I do, um, and I totally understand, okay? But, but, you know, what does the Word of God say? What, what does Paul say? I'm telling you this, that, that maybe in some ways they don't deserve it, okay? But you have to make a decision. You have to love her. You have to love her. Going to take love out of the intangible, out of the mystical, out of the silliness that you see around. And let's put it down into the practical. I want you to treat her and respond to her as she's the most valuable person in your life, other than Christ. Have you ever run into somebody or met someone, and either because you knew who he was before you ran into him, that you heard something about him and and you stand there in awe, and you don't know what to say, you know? Like you, you couldn't speak if you tried, and when you do speak, you say something stupid, and, and it's a sense of awe. What Paul is saying here, I want you to bring some of that into your relationship. I really want. Now, here's something else that I know you'll relate to. If you were sitting here, and I was telling people in your life to treat you that way, you wouldn't have any problem with it at all, right? Oh, I think you're right. You'd love it. You'd be back every week for that, you know? But Paul would put it this way to us when it comes to those romantic relationships. You have to work at it. 
And sometimes it may seem at times it's one-sided. It's all right. Keep trusting the Lord. I'm just telling you, as I've observed couples who stay in love and stay in love and stay in love through all kinds of bumps, through the kids, through financial needs, at the end of the day, they're still in love. How does that happen? It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Based on how he is working in your life and letting him work in your life. And treat better than your boss when you're at the house. Treat him. What about that movie star? What about those, those sports figures? You always want to meet them. You're always thinking about them, but for most of us, there's a time in our lives we really need to look at our relationship with each other. There's a time when we really should have awe for what God is doing in your life, for your life as he's transforming. Paul said, I just want you to make a decision to do love as a verb, to say you first, me second. What would that look like? What would have to change in your life and in mine? I want to give you a heads up. Next Sunday, you don't want to miss that message. All right? I went through it. It's, it's, it's powerful. It can transform your life. Don't miss it. Invite somebody to come. We're going to talk about emotions next week. All right? Because that is what derails so many relationships and our emotions. We are just... We just are feeling it. We're hurt. We're wounded. We're mad. We're, we're that. We're going to do that next week. Don't miss it. Help you. We're going to get there. I'm not discounting that. But let's stop here for just a minute and ask the question in terms of doing. What would it be like? And Paul goes on. And notice what he says in verse 4. He says, let's do it right. Not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others. So putting the interests of someone else ahead of your own means being interested in the person that you love. It means we decide that we value that individual. We love more than our own interests. That's a work. You've got to work at that one. You know, Learn to focus. Give attention to, some time to, sincere, sincere interest in, things that they're interested in. You may be saying, well, you just don't know what she's interested in. Oh, boring, you know? No, 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 no. And you may say, dear lady, you may say, you just don't know. You know, he's interested in this. I don't care anything about that. Well, now, wait a minute. That's what Paul is talking about. Take an interest. Have you ever been around people where, where someone asks, well, what does your husband do for a living? And you come up with, well, um, 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 I, I think he handles something greasy or something, I don't know, and wires and, and maybe money or I, I don't know, I haven't got a clue. Um, you know, um, it's the same the other way around. Right? Am I going to love her or him by becoming interested? I need to know what they do. I need to know what he does and what she does and what's important to them. That's what this passage is saying, that you care about the things the people who care about you care about. You need to care about them. Okay? And, and, 
and you put his or her interests above your own. That's going to take some effort. Now, if you're listening to this, you're engaged, or you're dating, or you're thinking one day I'm going to get married, and, and if you're hearing all of this, and you're, you're, you're going to say, well, if that's how it is, I don't want to get married. Then don't get married. Because this is the way the Scripture says it needs to be. Don't do it. There's too many people. Out of all of the people that I have married, I've married scores of people. The first one, first couple, ended up in a divorce because it was my wife. And then later on down the road, somebody else, another couple. But most of them made it. And one of the reasons they did is because before they got married, they had premarital counseling. I remember one couple, this doesn't happen often, and I hope it never doesn't happen, but it happened to me. Uh, two stories quickly. Um, I went through premarital counseling one couple with one couple. Guess what they decided? Not to get married. <laughs> okay. But I probably saved them from a lot of heartache. And then I married a couple that were not believers. I was going to be marrying them, so I counseled them. And, I said, and of all things, the lady becomes a believer. Now what do I do? Scripture says, don't be married unequally yoked. So what do I do? Now I'm, and I'm going through premarital counseling with them, and then one of them just became a believer. And so I went to my elders, and I said, guys, you've got to start praying, because this guy's got to come to the Lord when I get married. And I don't want to tell him that yet, you know? God is gracious to the feeble-minded, let me tell you. So he got saved. Thank the Lord. Um, so I get myself into all kinds of trouble, you know, especially in this marriage thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the, we, we, we need to really take this to heart. Um, you know, take it to heart. It's the most awesome thing in the world. It requires everything in us with the help of Jesus. It's worth, is it worth the risk? Absolutely it is. It is. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love takes some effort. Okay? Takes some activity. Let me give you an example. Again, the idea of asking your spouse, you know, what do you do for a living? Find out. Talk with them about it. Become interested. You know, and the same with her. That's a you know, that that's a, that's basic. You know, that's a very important thing. In your relationship, whatever it is, just by, you know, by not just doing your thing, but doing some things together. How can you make it your thing? How can you make his thing your thing? How can you make her thing your thing? Now, I can't knit. I just roll the ball up for my wife. So, you know, roll it all up so it's a big ball like this. And, and so she knits. Okay. But it's beautiful to watch. Uh, to see this, and it's fun to you know to, to talk and why we're doing this, and, and she misses a stitch every once in a while, but that's all right. Um, um, now you may be thinking this is all too much, you know. Wait a minute, you know, uh, isn't it a fifty-fifty? Have you heard that one before? You know, I do fifty, she does fifty. Let me tell you, if it's fifty-fifty, you're going to end up in a contract. You're not going to end up with a long-term relationship and love. You're just not. 
You may stay together, but you, you put duct tape down the middle of everything, it's 50-50, you know, all that. I do my part, you do your part, and, and, and it's a bit like having a roommate. If you want something beyond that, you've got to go beyond that. Okay? And Paul continues, notice what he says. Don't do this love thing like you, you saw your parents do, even though it may have been good, but there's something else. Don't do it like your, your best friend did it, because you know that that doesn't always work. You know? Notice verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind that Christ Jesus had. Wow, what is this about? And I want you to notice that this is in the imperative. This is have this attitude. Have it. Your significant other is one another. The same mindset, perspective, approach to relationship. You need to stop looking to models for love. They aren't great models at all. You need to look to Jesus. And here's why. I want you to see this. Look at verse 6. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And don't miss this because this is really crucial. Jesus was by nature God. Very crucial. That is a cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith. There's all kinds of people out there that do not believe Jesus was God. They're cults careful. Good people, many of them, they don't believe Jesus was God. But here it is. Even though he really was more important than every other person that ever was on this earth, he didn't go around parading it. He didn't go around and say, look at me, I'm Jesus. You know, uh, I want to sit in the front row. No, he didn't do that. He never pulled rank. He wasn't like that. He was always the most important person in the room, absolutely. He was the most powerful. He was the most intellectual, the most strategic, the wealthiest in every way. And, and, but this is what is amazing. He never pulled rank. He didn't do it. You get this. Paul says he never considered equality with God as something to be grasped, to be taken hold of. You know your Bibles. You know that's exactly what happened with Satan when he was in heaven. And a third part of the angels fell with him because he wanted to be the most important person in the room. And it didn't happen. And one of the things that really hurts Christianity is the teaching that has been mistakenly taught over the years. And we've all heard it. I've even said it. You know, wives... Submit to your husband. And husbands domineering over women. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches mutual submission. Mutual submission. Submission is something for her. But it's also something for you. Because Jesus sets the example of it. So often in relationships, we, we pull the I'm in charge card. We, we do that. We, we want to we pull I know better card. 
Now, I learned over the years when, when my wife, and I love her dearly, when she does something and I say, you do it your way, dear, and I'll do it the right way. Um, that, I, learned, I learned that that doesn't work, okay? Um, I, I know better than that. Um, and that's Paul's point. Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. Look at verse 7. Rather, he made himself, there's the verb, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking verb again, the very nature of a servant. Servant. Wow. There it is, being made in human likeness. And Paul is saying, that's how I want you to have in your relationships. All of them, but especially in your marriage relationships. Servant. My observation is that when I meet people who are married a long time and have been in love a long time, that's what you're going to find. I can still remember as a teenager, and I did not come from a Christian home, but I remember in school where this one teacher um, was a very, just a great teacher lady, but I saw her one day, her husband came to pick her up, he got out of the car. Now, they had been married forever. They lived a hundred years old, you know. Um, but he went and opened her door for her. I never had seen that before. I thought, is she an invalid? What's wrong? You know? But he did it out of kindness and respect. That had a huge impact upon me. I never saw that before. But he opened the car door for her. Okay? When's the last time you opened the car door for your wife? Just asking, you know. Um, but it's interesting. They've learned how, these people, in their own way, in that particular relationship, to empty themselves for the sake of the other person. That's the point of the scripture. That's the attitude Paul is encouraging you and I to have. Okay? Jesus took the nature of what? A servant. Here is the king of glory, the Lord of lords, and he becomes a servant? Do nothing out of vain ambition. He left behind his right and did something different. Look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. That means he submitted himself. He submitted himself. He placed himself under. And guess who placed himself, who he placed himself under? You and me. You and me. He placed himself under, not because he had to, but he, he chose to. And I want us to see that. That's what love looks like. That's what it looks like. What would that look like in your relationship? By coming home early? No, harder than that. By saying thank you for that meal that she just burnt, or I mean that she just made? You know? No, it's harder than that. Yeah. Harder than that. By staying on a budget? No, harder than that. By talking about his feelings with the people that he loves and finding out all about him and her and so forth? 
No, it's even harder than that. And, and you, you need to fill in the blank there. You need to think about, how do I do this? What does this look like in your world? It's difficult. I've got to express interest in what? Think about it. It may seem hard, but how far did Jesus go? Let's look at the rest of the verse. Becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Dear friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, up to this point, you're thinking of putting your hand up and saying, yeah, yeah, I, okay, pastor, I, I, I understand, I have, but, but I got excuses. I don't have time to do all that. I don't have any energy. I don't even like that. But then you hear how far Jesus went to express his interest to you and for you. But to put you first. And it's like, oh, okay, God. Okay. How do you far do you take this, Jesus? And Jesus says this, well, I went ahead and died for you. I died for you. So maybe you could have some home time. Yeah. I can probably work that out, can't you? And let me explain this the best way that I can as I wrap it up. Here, here's the dilemma. Here's the big picture. Here's the New Testament. Something that you may not think about. It almost is like a dilemma. Christ had a dilemma, although being God, he really doesn't have a dilemma. But in human speaking, we can see this. If he wants relationship with mankind, he would have to give up his rights, his rank, his respect. And he did all of that. He opted for relationship over respect. He opted for relationship over demanding his way. Can you imagine what he could have done? He could have called 10,000 angels and taken him right off that cross. He didn't need to die on that cross, except he chose to for you and me. He opted for relationship over all the glory that he had received. He, could have had, he couldn't have it both ways. Christ's desire to enter into relationship with you took precedence over all of his rights, over his rank, over his respect. He could not have it both ways. He could not get what he deserved and get you. What's your big deal? My big deal is I'm separated from God, and I need a Savior. What's your greatest need? I need forgiveness for myself things that I know that I shouldn't be doing. That's my deal. And for Jesus to have a relationship with us, he had to make a deal, his deal. But in order to do, to do that, he couldn't have it both ways. And when Christ died on that cross for your sin and mine, he made you a priority over himself. See that. And your need, a priority over his rights, your need for a savior, for forgiveness, a priority over the respect that you deserve. He submitted himself to you for your sake in order to have a relationship with you. If you want that kind of love relationship, if you desire, then you have the same dilemma. You do. You can get what you deserve 
and sacrifice that relationship accordingly, or you can submit yourself to that person, as the Bible teaches. You can stay in love with that individual and get what you deserve and give up some of your rights and stay in love, but you can't have it both ways. You can't. And in this culture that's screaming at you all the time and says, no, no, you should have it your way. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God's word says. The eternal word of God. It requires you saying no to you, yes to them. Just like your Savior. And that's the attitude. That's the humility. That's the spirit of submission I want to carry into our relationship. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it risky? Yes. Does it always work? We live in a fallen world. No, it doesn't always work. But go for it anyway, because it's worth it. Are there guarantees? In Christ, yes. As humans, we don't know all the time. My question is this. Who did Jesus die for? Most of us would probably say he died for the whole world. He died for the whole world. Has everyone in the world said yes to Jesus? No, they have not. But he did it anyway. He died anyway. Could he have it both ways? No. Can I have it both ways? No. To stay in love is to adopt that same attitude toward that person. If you want to stay in love with that person, then develop it that Jesus adopted toward you and toward me. And that's what Paul teaches. Have that same attitude. Submit yourself and decide. We can win arguments. Yep. We can prove our points, yep. Have our way and destroy our relationship, yep. Or we can stay in love by submitting to each other our rights, our rank, and our respect. To refuse to submit is to, to demand more of ourselves than Christ demanded for himself. To refuse to submit to one another shows an incredible in gratitude to Christ. If you're willing to do this, if you're not willing to do this, then I would say to you, don't get married. If your fiancé is not willing or not capable of doing this, don't get married because it's going to be painful. If you're married and you both are not willing to do this, then I'm going to tell you you're going to have struggles the rest of your life. You know why second marriages don't work often? You may disagree with me on this, but they don't work because you fall out of love again, but you don't do anything different. Imagine how much better your parents' marriage would have been. Imagine how much better your kids' relationship will be when they see this in you, when they see how much you love your wife how much your wife loves you. It's a game changer. It really is. It really is. Imagine a marriage where husbands and wives mutually submit, where the other person came before the other person's rights, personal needs, and personal desires. This kind of humility is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. There's no defense against it. So in humility of mind, out of reverence for Christ, considers others 
better than yourself. And if you do, and if you both do, that becomes the pattern of your relationship, and that will change everything. It will change everything. Now, I want you to know in closing that we have a response card, and I want you to take that out. And there's two things. First of all, the staying in love. And as you look at that, I want you to take that with you. And I want you to follow it. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like a homework assignment, and it's a good homework assignment. All right? It's going to help you uh, put into practice some of the things that we're trying to teach in the, in the Scripture. Very important. And I trust that you'll do that and read this very carefully. And then there's a second card. It's a response card. And I want to I want to highlight that for just a moment because every Tuesday morning we gather together. There's a bunch of us gathered together and we pray. We pray for every one of your requests. Okay? It's kept confidential, but we pray for your requests. But we can't pray for them if you don't give it to us. Right? Every Tuesday morning we do this. We pray for the staff <coughs> and we pray for you because we know what God can and God can do some things in your relationship and in, in, in your life. I want to close by giving you a story that you will all relate to very quickly. The helicopter that crashed just a few days ago had two men in it. One of those men was the boss of my niece. She works in Buffalo. She's a dynamic Christian. She called me. We started praying. We don't know what's going to happen that day. But think about this. Here is a godly lady who was ministering to her boss and he just died just a few miles from her this week. Realize how important you are where you are in your neighborhood, in, in your relationship with people, at work. You are God has given you a message to share. Love these people. We don't know how long they've got. So let the Lord use you. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Minister to our hearts now. Challenge us. Help us to see that mutual submission is so important. And also, our witness in our life before men has a huge effect and can have a transforming effect upon many. We pray in your name.